Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, well women. Welcome to the show. Today I interview Sylvia Gazarian, Executive Director of Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project, the largest national independent abortion fund. As a former chair of the Commission on the Status of Women for 12 years, she's championed policy advocacy on healthcare, poverty, domestic and sexual violence, and human trafficking in Los Angeles. Sylvia is from California and identifies as Middle Eastern and a woman of color. On the show today, we discuss the importance of our National Abortion Fund and the need to destigmatize this common health procedure. We also talk about thinking bigger than Roe as we head into what would have been the 51st anniversary of Roe versus Wade and how leadership development and career paths can be formed in unexpected ways. But before we get to that, I want to personally invite you to Bioneers as they celebrate their 35th anniversary conference. The urgency of transformative change is starkly evident. It's important now more than ever that we connect and scale brilliant social movements to enact the kinds of breakthrough solutions that this earth needs. The clock is ticking, the call to action resounds. We must recognize our collective power, understanding that what we do to one another resonates with our treatment of the earth. And I actually have had the pleasure of interviewing Nina Simons, the co-founder of Bioneers on the Well Woman Show. And we'll link to her interview in the show notes at wellwomanlife.com slash 327 show. She's a social entrepreneur who's passionate about the power of women to transform the world. So when she reached out to me to talk about a collaboration with Bioneers, it was a quick yes from me. Join me to connect with Bioneers community of leadership at this conference. And the best way to find out more is to head over to wellwomanlife.com slash 327 show. You can go there for a special well woman gift if you're going to attend the Bioneers conference. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from Collective Action Strategies, a consulting firm that supports systemic change so that women and families thrive, and by the Well Woman Life Movement Challenge Quiz at wellwomanlife.com slash quiz. As always, all the links and information are at wellwomanlife.com slash 327 show. I'm speaking with Sylvia Gazarian on The Well Woman Show. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. You have a great program and looking forward to working with you today and getting this out to listeners. Wonderful. Well, Sylvia, it's really great to have you on the show. And I just want to start by having you share with listeners, who are you in the world today? I am a strong feminist who recognizes that everyday experiences really shape who you are and the impact that you can have in the world. To go into it a bit further, growing up, I experienced the impact control has over women and had on my own life. And what I mean by that is growing up, my father was the breadwinner in our household and my mom was a stay-at-home wife. That's the way that my father had wanted it to be. 
I didn't realize the effects of this until tragedy struck our home. From a very young age, just so that listeners know, my father ended up being in and out of the hospital for a variety of serious health issues. And we did not have good health insurance at that time. And being a child, I didn't understand why my mom was keeping track of the tests and the pills my dad was given, but later learned as I was growing up that decisions had to be made about his health since we couldn't afford many of these costs. And during that time, I was also left in the care of a family relative. That experience really changed my life because for a number of years, I was molested by this person. And that person had indicated if I had told anybody Mm -hmm. that my father would die. Tragically, my father did die and my mom was unable to work. And so we continued to struggle as I was growing up. It caused me to suffer in school where I was bullied because I didn't fit in. Now, experiencing all of this at a young age put me on fire. And I, it, I was really set forth to make a better path for myself. It didn't happen alone. And I am very, very grateful for the other individuals that helped me down this path. And that is particularly teachers in my life who saw the potential in me that I didn't see at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are three teachers in particular who sit on my shoulder each day. And I kid you not that I'm internally grateful for, for having pushed me and to allow me to not give up. In fact, it is why um, in my life, I pay it forward as much as I can and have mentored women and girls throughout my career. And it goes without saying that I am proud to have mentored eight girls and through my career, a number of women in and out of the workforce. Amazing. I think we need to continue to take care of each other and learn from those experiences because we are powerful as women and as a united force, we continue to make tremendous impact in the world, particularly with reproductive rights. I think the world can see how much of a difference that we are making in ways that individuals are trying to control us, but we are determined to resist and persist and move forward. Yes, absolutely. Well, Sylvia, thank you for sharing your story. Very powerful story to connect with listeners and and just really understand where your passion for supporting women and for doing the work that you do comes from. And I was going to ask you, and then you you sort of started talking about it, but I was going to say, you know, sometimes women who have experienced these kinds of things early on end up feeling defeated and really have a very difficult time in life. And other times we somehow were supported and connected with somebody saw something in us and, and we were supported to to go on and like really you know become a leader and and really you know do all of these things that you're doing so I was going to ask you sort of what what that was and you said it was your teachers and so I just wanted to call that out for listeners you know to think about who in your life saw you and heard you in a way that you've you know hadn't really happened before I will say mentoring is powerful and 
It doesn't have to be a teacher. It could be a friend. It could be a coworker. If she sees it, she can be it. I truly yeah. believe that. And I have shared that with the girls that I have mentored because my personal experience, while maybe different from those other girls that I've mentored from marginalized communities, they see that it's possible no matter how deep and how hard it is, it can be made to happen. And the struggle is real. It's not easy, but having that influence and having that body of individuals to help support definitely makes a difference. Yes, absolutely. And Sylvia, let's talk a little bit about your work. As we heard in the introduction, are the executive director of the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. Talk a little bit about, you know, it's the largest national independent abortion fund. And just share a little bit about how your work is impacting women's lives. Why is it so important right now in this moment to be talking about abortion as healthcare and and really supporting women to really embrace the word as well to embrace the idea that you know abortion is healthcare. I'd like to start by for those who don't know what a national abortion fund is. We are the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project wrap for short, and we are a national abortion fund, and we play a vital role in ensuring that individuals, regardless of their financial situation across the U.S., have access to safe and legal abortion services. And each day, we work tirelessly to remove financial barriers by providing the funding for abortion procedures. I have a wonderful group of volunteers that have dedicated over five to 10 years with the organization that manage our hotline on a daily basis. RAP was established in 1991 by Joyce Shore, who is our founder and president. And the reason it was started is because in college, her best friend had to have an illegal abortion. And it sent the biggest fear and message to her that we needed to have an organization that helps individuals in the same kind of circumstances as her best friend. And so we are dedicated to helping all individuals that are facing financial hardship to obtain medical or surgical abortion. The good thing is, as we can see from what's happening in the United States and with the fall of Roe, we were able, RAP was able to fund over 1.8 million people this past year, serving over 11,000 patients. And of those patients, 81% of our patients are BIPOC, 83%, and I repeat that, 83% have had their partner abandon them, meaning that the financial burden of getting abortion care was left up to them. And because of these horrendous bans in states, 34% of those that we have had to help in terms of funding had to travel out of state for care. Mm, how and many? What was the percent? 34%. Prior to Roe falling, we were usually at about 20% in terms of travel. And as things began to progress and get worse, that number has obviously increased. And I'm sure um, this year it'll be even higher. Many people in marginalized communities do not have access to reproductive 
healthcare that is convenient and local to them. Many have to travel 30 to 60 miles to even get care. And this goes beyond abortion care. It goes into birth control and other forms of reproductive health care. You mentioned BIPOC, which is Black, Indigenous, and people of color, just in case people didn't know that. I want to also just say for listeners, we'll put the website in the show notes at wellwomanlife.com. At your website, there's a great search tool where you can find your own state and find local abortion funds in your state to help you. You're also listed there. Do you work with local funds directly? There are many, many cases where... Sadly, the cost of the abortion can range anywhere from ten to $30,000. And as we see from news reports, there are many states where abortion is banned. There are exceptions, but we see from those exceptions, doctors' hands are tied. And sadly, a woman's life has to be on the line before they can have a procedure done. And in those cases, obviously, there's hospitalization involved. And those cases can run up to 30,000. Our collective power as abortion funds, some of those cases, we can't necessarily afford to provide the funding in full. So collectively, we work together to be able to take care of that. And we work quickly. We usually are able to make sure that that person has the funding they need that same day. And it goes beyond just the procedure. Sometimes an individual needs what's called practical support, which is travel, hotel, childcare. So we are always connected to collectively use our power to make sure that this person gets the care that they need and want and doesn't have to worry about the financial burden of the cost of the abortion. Okay. And Sylvia, we're going to have to take a quick break in just a moment, but do you want to address uh, very briefly the abortion as healthcare? Uh, Yes. What people don't understand is that part of any sort of reproductive health includes abortion as healthcare. It is a normal and common procedure that an individual and their doctor should have the best say-so in what is really best for that patient. It is a part of healthcare. People need to recognize that abortion is part of healthcare and that it is safe and it is normal and it is common. One out of four individuals have an abortion each year, and it is an extremely safe procedure, safer than childbirth. Okay, I'm speaking with Sylvia Gazarian, Executive Director of the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project, and we'll be right back. If you're in burnout or in major transition, this is your time to figure out what's holding you back from making the changes you need in order to live your fullest, most joyful life. The causes of all our challenges, personal or professional, can actually be rooted in the lack of internal superpowers and external supports. Our Well Woman Life Framework tells you which stage of the Well Woman Life Cycle you're in and what to do about it, so you can truly start living your life. You can find out more at wellwomanlife.com quiz. 
We're back on the Well Woman Show with Sylvia Gazarian, Executive Director of the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project, which is the nation's largest independent abortion fund. And she's a member of the California Future of Abortion Council. Sylvia, we're going into a segment called Superpowers for Success, which really helps listeners learn more about you and your leadership and learn maybe some tips from you about how you do everything you do in the world. And I want to start just by asking you, what does success in life mean for you? I think success is based on what makes an individual happy, whether it is being a housewife, whether it's investing in volunteerism, whether it's mentoring, what is fulfilling to you as a person? Okay. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? I think I knew based on my experiences as a child, I knew that that was the trajectory that I knew that I wanted to help people. I knew that somehow I needed to get involved with community and to help others in circumstances such as my own. I learned how to get into that path by volunteering, by doing things that made me feel good about helping others in certain circumstances that were similar to my own. It opened up my eyes to interacting with others and how fulfilling that was and learning about their lives, being able to help them in in a way that mattered. Sylvia, I want to ask you about using your personal story in Mm -hmm. your leadership development. When did you decide to start sharing your story as part of your leadership and and leading, you know, volunteers or organizations? I think it started hesitantly, I say, in college because in that time and in that era, it still wasn't accepted in terms of what happens to people. You know, I was sexually assaulted as a child and it still wasn't something that was talked about while I was in school. But as the years went on, I recognized too that that was a part of who I was in terms of being able to recognize that this experience was also experienced by others by me doing research and finding out um, others who were um, also affected by a family member in their life. And again, it sent me down the path of how can I help others? How can I talk about it? How can I share what happened to me and make it something that shouldn't be a stigma, but something that is a powerful force that you can use to help others. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because when you mentor, or I'll just speak for myself, when I mentor younger women, there's just this sort of expectation that like, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to go on to Mm. this, and it's going to be very planned out and very linear. And it's like, it's, it's really not a straight line at all. Um, And, you know, our, our career paths can, can wind and twist, and we can you know, start out in advertising and helping people with their taxes and end up being the executive director of the largest national, you know, abortion fund in the country. So um, just for listeners, you know, out there who might be wanting to even switch careers right now, or have 
are feeling like they're in an unfulfilling job, mm-hmm. there are there are ways to, you know, start moving into a different direction. So Sylvia, can you describe a personal habit that you have that contributes to your well-being so that you can do everything that you do in the world? I wake up every day at 5 a.m. And for two hours, I take time to do yoga, walk the dog, think about myself and my needs. It's my time to sort of be in a mode of Zen where I really dig deep into myself and my own well-being so that by the time I start working, I am ready and able to take care of others. The work that we do is very, very heavy. And we hear about a lot of serious cases on a daily basis. But I also want to say we hear about easier cases as well. But as time has gone on and with the fall of Roe, it has tremendously impacted the chaos that is out there and the lack of services available to individuals. And I have to give a big shout out to all of my volunteers who dedicate, you know, each day to helping these individuals by working with the over 700 clinics and doctors and hospitals in our network. And we get a huge volume of calls on a daily basis. And we hear all sorts of cases. Just really want to underscore that because we talk a lot about that on this show about taking care of ourselves first and, and you know, what self care really means. And and for for this show and for this, for the conversations that I have, self care is really not about massages and bubble baths, although mm-hmm. those those are wonderful and, and you know, great. Uh, but really self-care is this daily practice of taking time like, like you're doing, where you're not having to take care of other people, where you can just really have some time of your own and reflect and do whatever practices you want to do and identify what is it I, I need? What do mm-hmm. I need today? So thank you for sharing that. And we only have a couple minutes left. I want to get to a couple more questions. One sure. is what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? I think my superpower is being a warrior, not just for myself, but for others. Um, Being able to, you know, survive my childhood experiences and being able to utilize that to be a warrior for those who may have a voice, but don't know how to work with legislators or Mm -hmm. others to make an impact and those who don't have a voice who need somebody else in their lives to help them them be that voice to move forward to create a path of equity for everybody I truly am a strong feminist and anybody can be a feminist to make greater change for the world And Sylvia, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I ask all my guests is, do you identify as a feminist? Obviously you do, but what does that mean for you? It means that I work towards finding ways that we can all be equal, meaning whether it's equal pay, whether it's being able to be on a corporate board, because Mm -hmm. most boards have 
the least amount of women on their boards. It means working with male allies because unfortunately, many in the workforce uh, in higher positions are still men and men need to become better allies for women and in supporting and mentoring women. It means uh, being in legislators' faces in regards to policies um, that affect women and girls and making sure that we are not silenced at any point in time. That's great. That's a long list. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Lots of good examples for people to think about. Real quick, what advice would you give your younger self, say 25 or 30-year-old Sylvia? I think the best advice is don't give up and seek help wherever you can to help you. Seeking support and help is so important. And it's something that women really find hard to do. And there Mm -hmm. are different kinds of support, right? There's emotional support, there's logistical support, like, I can't, I can't go participate in that thing, because I I need childcare, can't go to work because I don't have transportation. I mean, there are so many ways that we can be asking for support. So thank you for calling that out. And last question for you. What are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? I have two books, one related to the work that I do. And one is my moment of Zen, Hmm. as I call it. And this is a book that I continually reread and I pulled it out for the new year. And it is a book called Controlling Women. And it's about the history of reproductive freedom and the historic legal fights and ways to take action. It's written by Kitty Colbert and Julie F.K., who obviously are people in the reproductive justice world. And it is an important book. And it is a book that I use and share with those that I mentor on ways to get involved. The second is, you know, I look at the world and ways to bring people together. And food is a way to do that and being together and eating and sharing. And so right now, the new book I have is Jose Andres' World Central Kitchen because he also helps people in many ways by supporting and helping with get getting and distributing food um, in moments of crisis and other ways. Nice. We'll put that on our book list. We love sharing what our listeners are reading. And I've been speaking with Sylvia Gazarian, Executive Director of the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. And Sylvia, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Same to you. I really appreciate what you're doing. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman Life, head over to wellwomanlife.com. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week, so be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.